it's, um, I, there's a lot of more people here than there usually is on a Sunday night, and I really, uh, thinking about that, I figured that would happen tonight. I, I really did. I really thought that was going to happen, mainly because I'm preaching. No, no, I'm just kidding, because there's pie afterwards, right? There's not watermelon. There's not zucchini, you know, not even some wafer crackers or biscuits or whatever you have you. The, tonight, there's pie afterwards. So even if I didn't like the preacher, I didn't want to hear the preaching, I think I would have just came so I could hear until so, so I get some pie, for sure. If you would, turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 18. And during this uh, sermon, just uh, Genesis 18 and the first uh, 14 verses we'll look at here, um, this sermon, it may seem like, I don't know if it's going to, but just a little, I guess, disclaimer. It might seem like I, I don't think it's going to, but I am bitter at God at times or anything along that nature. And I just want to say up front, that, is, that isn't the case. Uh, God has always been so good to me, and he's been wonderful to me, and I have appreciated every little thing that God has done for me in my life. There's not a single trial, tribulation, good time, bad time, that I'm not thankful for that God has given me. And with that to say, you know, to get up here and preach is a, it's a huge honor. I really am um, very grateful for Pastor Lejeune giving me this opportunity to preach in front of all you guys here tonight. This sermon tonight is about something I think we all need to hear, encouragement from God. It's really easy for me to stand before all of you tonight, you know, like, look well-polished, you got a wonderful, beautiful wife, you got two beautiful daughters. It's easy to get up here and, and look really nice and clean. The truth is, though, honestly, the past few years, few, few years have been difficult, moving, feels like my life is really in transition, and it's, uh, it's been challenging. And I like to tell people, I mean, I not, don't like to, but it's always sobering for me to say, if you could see what God saw, you would see sometimes discouragement, sometimes doubt, maybe even desperation at times. Don't know which way is up, which way is down, can't turn left or right, don't know, really know what's going on. And again, it's, e- it's easy for someone to appear and look well-polished. And uh, tonight, not today I'm going to do anything different or anything like that, but a lot of times I'm usually up here preaching to you guys from this pulpit once a year, and it's really easy for me to get prideful and just try to you know, really rail it into you or something like that. But I just want to be extremely transparent tonight and uh, give you a sermon that will help you to keep going. Tonight I'm going to preach on the topic of just keep going. We really have four Bible characters tonight that kept going through different uh, trials and tribulations, and how they were able to do so. And through it all, just like Jesus did for me, he held me up and he cheered me on and kept encouraging me when I felt like giving up so many times. We'll dive into that tonight, and really, hopefully, this is an encouragement for every single person here in this room. And this is something that God has been preaching to me over the past few years uh, so often, and I'm very, very grateful for that. If you would uh, please stand for the reading of God's word here in Genesis chapter 18. Read the first 14 verses and pray and get into it tonight. The Bible says this, And the Lord appeared unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in a tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them from the tent door and bowed himself toward the ground. And said, My Lord, if now I have found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee, from thy servant. Let a little water, I pray you, be fetched, and wash your feet, and rest yourselves under the tree. And I'll fetch a morsel of bread, and comfort your hearts. After that ye shall pass on. For therefore you come to your servant. And they said, So do as thou hast said. And Abraham hastened into the tent unto Sarah, and said, Make ready quickly, three measures of fine meal, knead it, 
and make cakes upon the hearth. And Abraham ran unto the herd and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it unto a young man and hastened to dress it. And he took butter and milk and a calf which he had dressed and set before them. And he stood by them under the tree and they did eat. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of woman. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee, according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Let us pray. Hey God, it's Kyle. So many times I've said it to you in privacy of my own prayer. I pray that you'd be here tonight and help me to preach, not for my own glory, not for anything else besides lift up your name and help other people out. Remove all pride and base me tonight and help your, the gospel to be preached and help those to listen intently. We love you very much. Without Jesus, I couldn't be here. It would be impossible. I thank you so much for him and so much for your encouragement. Help us to have a great service tonight. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. So we see here the little backstory, the backdrop of the story is this is uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit visiting uh, Sarah and Abraham. And they come, on, they come to them, and you know, we see Abraham here, we just read, getting things ready, ready to feed them and house them. But I want to turn your uh, attention here to verse 12. And uh, Roman numeral number one here, right, is, is uh, when it seems impossible. I'm talking about Abraham here, when it seems impossible. A lot of times in life, there becomes an impossible situation that we can't possibly, no matter how much we try in our own strength to get through it, it can't happen, and it won't happen. Things seem impossible. Actually, a part of this uh, point here, I was able to teach the children's class today, uh, this morning, and that was a lot of fun. I hope it was fun for you guys there. Um, And I told them that, you know, with God, all things are possible. That was a lot of fun for me. And to be quite honest with all you here, one of the most fun things for me to do is to teach the kids class. It's a lot of fun. I take a lot of joy in that. But we see here in letter A, Sarah's doubt. Sarah's doubt. If you want to look at Genesis chapter 18 and verse 12, we see this is what happens. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. I like to think here that Abraham has so much faith in God's promise that has come, and he's, he's all gung-ho. Okay, we're going to be able to do it. We're going to be able to do it. And his wife just kind of laugh, laughs a little bit and says, there's no way that's going to happen. You know, and how many times does the same thing happen to us with God, right? We're no different. I know I'm, I'm no different at all. A lot of times we'll say, Kyle, I need you to do this, or I need you to do that. I'm like, that can't happen, right? It happens a lot. And I've been very careful, I really, ever since I taught that Jonah class, to try my best not to look down on people in the Bible. It really opened my eyes uh, because you know, we're, at the end of the day, we're all sinners. We're all at the same level. So it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Um, they're in the Bible, and they have their whole story listed out. If my whole story was listed out, it would probably be a lot worse than these people here. And Sarah, what happened to her, she saw her current circumstance from her view and not God's view. She thought logically, but not faithfully. There's a fine line there, but she was looking at things from her level. She wasn't looking at it from his level. And when God says something will happen, it'll happen. We shouldn't doubt his word. 
And that's what Sarah was doing. She was downing his word. And letter B here is, is Jesus' Jesus's faith. Jesus' faith. Look at uh, verse 16 there, chapter 18. It's very, very, so cool here what, what happens. It really is. So we see here, the Bible says this, And the men rose up thence and looked towards Sodom, and Abraham went with them to bring them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham the thing which I do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment, that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he hath spoken of him. We see here that God, it, this is, to me, it's, it's really interesting. What happened is God knows Abraham's going to do so much great things in his life. He knows that. And he's talking, I believe he's trying to be talking with each other, and, they're, and saying, should we tell Abraham all the great things he's going to accomplish? He's going through such an impossible, impossible situation right now. Should we, should we tell him that he's going to be the, the, the great patriarch of everything? Should we tell him he's going to do wonderful, mighty things for, for us, for you know, everyone, really for me? Because if he hadn't gone forward, if, you know, someone, maybe someone else would have. But I don't think I'd be, you know, we, Jesus couldn't have gone to the cross. There's a huge chain of reactions that happened with Abraham being the patriarchal father. And it was an impossible situation that he was in. And I don't believe that God revealed what, what great things Abraham was going to do, even though obviously and clearly we, saw, we see he was going to do them. Instead, he doesn't tell him. You might ask yourself, I don't believe he does. I don't believe he told him because the truth is, I found this in my own life, the rougher the road, the closer I am to Jesus. And that is such a, a hard pill to swallow. It's very difficult and something really hard for me to grasp. And I wish it wasn't the case, but it, unfortunately it is. For whatever reason, for me, in order for me to get closer to my Savior, I have to be, really be going through it. And that's, that's just the reality of life. And that's the reality of what I've learned through life. A lot of times, really recently, I've been very, very overwhelmed. And I have been, it's been very hard for me to keep going. It's so difficult, so I feel like my prayers aren't getting through, and I don't know what to do. And so I've been taking time alone. I, this is what I do. About 5 o'clock before I go into UPS at work, I'll go down to Long Beach. And this is really when I'm going through it. And what happens is there's no one there. I take a long walk by myself. And I don't know, I feel like I can't hear God or feel him. And I'm really, really going through it. And what happens, I just sit there, watch the water come in and out. I hear myself walking on top of the shells that are there. And I just sit there, maybe an hour, maybe half an hour. I just sit there, maybe praying, maybe not praying. And after a while, it's as if Jesus is with me. And I can almost feel his arm around me. And I hear him say this, Kyle, I know life right now is hard and difficult, but for me, your Savior, could you just last until tomorrow? This will not last forever, but I need to break you. I know you don't know why, but someday you will know. Just trust me. I know what I'm doing. And with tears rolling down my cheeks, I gather myself. And I last until the next time that I need Jesus to pick me up. I like to think the same exact thing happened to me, or happened to Abraham, rather, when Sarah laughed. I like to imagine her laughing, and that first chuckle that she gave, that a tear would roll down Abraham's face before God. 
And I believe Jesus was saying the same thing to him. Saying, Abraham, life I know is hard right now and it's difficult. And this trial seems unnecessary. But for me, your Savior, could you just last until tomorrow? This will not last forever, but I need to break you. I know you do not know why, but someday you'll know. Just trust me. I know what I'm doing. Just keep going, Abraham. Just keep going. That was really Jesus' optimism. That brings us to Roman numeral number two here. When you can't go forward. When you can't go forward. In uh, Exodus, you could turn there if you will, but I'm going to continue reading just for, for time and all that. Exodus chapter 13, verses uh, 17 through 18. As you're returning there, I'll read it. The Bible says this, And it came to pass, when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God led them not through the way of the land of the Philistines, although it was near. For God said, Lest peradventure the people repent when they see war, and they return to Egypt. But God led the people about through the way of the wilderness, the Red Sea, and the children of Israel went up harnessed out of the land of Egypt. So right here is right before Moses takes the children of Israel through the Red Sea, and right before all this happens, and right before the Red Sea crossing, and he has the children of Israel, and they're, they're getting out of bondage, which has been in there for 430 years. And, you know, it, again, very interesting what Moses ends up having his uh, situation turn into. If you look down, at, go to chapter 14, one chapter over, maybe a page over, and verse 10 and 11, the Bible says this, And when Pharaoh drew nigh, the children of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians marched after them. This is them fleeing from Egypt and going towards the Red Sea. And they were sore afraid, and the children of Israel cried out unto the Lord. And they said unto Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, hast thou taken us away to die in the wilderness? Wherefore hast thou dealt with us to carry us forth out of Egypt? So you have Moses as a leader. He's leading the people finally out of Egypt, out of bondage. And then what happens? He's leading them, he's leading them, and he's leading them. And they come to the Red Sea. Now we looked at before in chapter 13. There's other ways that could have happened, but God didn't want him to see war, repent, and turn around. So he took a different way. I believe it wasn't near. The Bible says the way that was near. It takes them through a rough road. They come to the Red Sea. And what happens? Moses, he can't go forward. He can't do it on his own. And he has, I mean, thousands of people there with him. And he can't go forward. It's impossible for him to. But God's telling him just to keep going. So what's Moses to do, right? He tells him just to keep going. Just keep going. And the children of Israel standing here, Right? And they're looking at Moses, and they're like, where's not the cemeteries full in Egypt? Are you kidding me? Right? And he's saying that to them. And, and, they, and they're just like, we brought us out here in the wilderness to die because all the graves and graveyards were full in Egypt. Right? That's really what they're saying to him. And God's like, I don't care. Just keep going, Moses. Just keep going. And look down for me there at verse 15. And the Lord said unto Moses, Wherefore criest thou unto me? Speak unto the children of Israel that they go forward. But lift thou up thy rod and stretch out thy hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. That's just so amazing to me to see that. You know, he couldn't go forward. He needed God to go forward. And I really do imagine it. Moses, all his faith, everyone's heckling him, saying, We're going to die in the wilderness. There's no way we're going to go forward. And imagine that tension on a leader of that magnitude. I mean, imagine, it'd be like, you know, someone trying to leave this church, Pastor Lejeune, trying to go forward. Everyone here is saying, oh, don't do it. That's not what God wants. What are you doing? You're 
You're trying to kill him. I mean, really, that's what's happening, right? And what does Moses do? He just keeps going. He just keeps going for it. It's awesome. I, I get so much encouragement out of this. And he takes his rod, and I, I like to imagine it happening like this. You know, as he's raising it, you know, up, the waters gradually, the height of it, part. And there's a path now that the Israelites can keep going. And what did God say to Moses, I, you know, right, as he's lifting the rod? Same thing he said to me, same thing he said to Abraham. I know life right now is hard and difficult. This trial seems unnecessary. But for me, your Savior, could you just last until tomorrow? This will not last forever, but I need to break you. I know you don't know why, but someday you will know. Just trust me. I know what I'm doing. And with that, Moses was able to go forward. When he couldn't, when it, he couldn't go forward, God was able to go forward for him. There's a time for me when I was in Bible college in Michigan, my, my second semester, my first year, and what ended up happening is, now, my friends know that were there. They know the good part of the story. They don't know the, the background. I never told anyone the background. I'll tell you guys here tonight. It's not like a huge secret or anything like that. But, I was again, I was really going through it, right? And I just, I didn't know, really, I didn't know which way was up, which way was down, what was happening in my life. I didn't know what was going to happen. I'm very homesick. I just left Connecticut all the way to Michigan, like 900 miles, my second semester, I got a new job, and I'm working by myself. I did carpool with my friends, which helped out a little bit. But I felt so alone, the most alone I've ever felt in my life. And I didn't, you know, I started to doubt God. I started, is God real, you know, going through it? I really did. I didn't know, you know, who's Jesus? Was he really God? You know, thoughts like that going through me. And wouldn't you know, I was working at a ski resort doing, like, at a hotel-type environment, and there's laundry room there and you know just some minor house like room calls and stuff like that and i see this guy his name is desmond and he peeks around the corner and he's like making this weird eye contact and i'm like can i help you you know just looking at me can i help you and i try to be friendly right and he's like yeah man like, just like that he's like, yeah man gotta get a mint and for whatever reason i go in we have mints put in pillows i get the mint for him and i, and I give it to him and the next thing, I, I don't know why I said this, but I did. The next thing I said to him was this. I said, are you okay? Because he looked really, I mean, he looked really off. I, I gave the mint to him. And I said, are you okay? He goes, well, no. You know, I'm a smoker. My wife doesn't like that I smoke. And uh, I just want to cover it up. He's really transparent to someone you just met like that, you know. He must have really been going through it, looking at that now. He's thinking of that. And I said, well, you probably shouldn't be doing that. Again, I don't know why I said it. I just met the guy, right? I just want to give him a minute. I'm just trying to be nice. I'm just trying to work. And right? in the background, I'm going through it. I don't even know why I'm saying this to this guy. I said, you probably shouldn't be doing that. And he's you know, a little bit older than me at the time. I think I was like 20. And, you know, I'm just some kid. And I say that to him. And he goes, again, he, I, it's crazy what he says to me. He goes, are you a Christian? I said, yes, I am. And so for the next 20 minutes, he asked me why I believed in God, why God was real, I was able to give him the gospel. For the next 20 minutes, I walked him to his hotel room. And I never saw him again in my life. But so it's God put someone in my path to help me to keep going when I couldn't go forward. You know, if that interaction doesn't happen, I really don't know if I'm standing up here today. I was really close to giving up and just going home. I was really close to that happening. I didn't want to keep going forward. But you know what? God went forward for me. He put someone in my path. Right as I'm going through that, doubting in him, what happened is he puts on my path that I had to explain to I me. Mean, think about that. I don't, I'm doubting in God. I'm doubting my faith. But God put someone in my way and asking me why he is real. Isn't that amazing? 
to me, and I look at that so often when I, I don't feel like going forward and I can't go forward, that happens so often. But God went forward for me, put some in my path so I can keep going forward. And that brings us to Roman numeral number three. When there's no hope, there's no hope. I really like this one. It's the three Hebrew children. The story of uh, around the same scripture passage, Daniel and the lion's den and other things of that nature. If you want to turn over to Daniel chapter 3. In the first six verses of Daniel chapter 3, the Bible says this. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold whose height was three score cubits and the breadth thereof six cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. So he brings this giant uh, idol, this giant golden idol for everyone to, to worship. The Nebuchadnezzar, the king, sent, out, uh, sent together sent to gather together the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the princes, the governors, and the captains, the judges, the treasurers, the counselors, the sheriffs, and all the rulers of the provinces were gathered together unto the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then and Herod cried out aloud to you is command, O people, nations, and languages. That at the time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harp, sack, butt, psaltery, the dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. And whoso, fa- and whoso falls not down and worshipeth shall the same hour be cast into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. So we see letter A, that was the king's decree there. The king's decree. Everyone had to bow down to this idol. And then really the background, Babylon had t- taken uh, Israelites over and they were captive in the country. And that's we have uh, three Hebrew children here. And they're in the middle of this. And they're really, for them, they're not going to bow down to an idol. And we see that in letter B, the Hebrew stance. Look at verse 14. Nebuchadnezzar spake and said unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Do not ye serve my gods, nor worship the golden image which I have set up? Now if you be ready that at the time you hear the sound of the cornet, flute, harpery, sackbut, psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, you, shall, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. But, but if you worship not, you shall be cast the same hour into the midst of a burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that shall deliver you out of my, uh, out of my hands? And so, and then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. If it be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image, which thou hast set up. So we see here, there really is no hope. And I, I thank God for this story. Though. I really, really, really mean that. So often, I go to this story when I need a little bit of faith, when God presents me with an opportunity or something that I, I just I need to muster up some faith. I read the story and I go, well, if they could do it, I could do it. I mean, they're facing death the way that they were facing death, and they still took a stance for God. And how come my daily life, I can't take a stance for God? And I think about that this story all the time. When I, you know, when someone really, when someone needs a gospel track, I don't feel like handing it out, or I need to be a witness at work, and I don't really feel like being a witness uh, for God at work, or or whatever it may be. Usually those situations, I look, I look back to the story. I go, you know what? They were facing death, being thrown in a fiery furnace. And they stood up to God. They didn't go against uh, you know, not bowing, the Ten Commandments and not bowing down to idols. 
They took a great stance for God, and they stood there, and they said, we're not going to bow down to that idol. We're only going to bow down before God, Jehovah. And so we see that in the Hebrew stance. And here's really the meat of this point here. Let her see the result. The result. We see here in uh, verse 19 of chapter 3 in Daniel. Then was Nebuchadnezzar full of fury, and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Therefore he spake and commanded that they should heat the furnace one seven times more than it was wont to be heated. So they're just heating this thing up hotter than it's ever been hotter, seven times over and over. They really don't like these people. He doesn't like they're defying against him. And, and then verse 20, And he commanded the most mighty men that were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their hose in their hats, and their other garments, and were cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's commandment was urgent and the fiery furnace exceeding hot, the flame of fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down, bound into the midst of the fiery furnace. The Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was stonied and rose up in haste, and spake and said unto his counselors, Did not we cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said unto the king, True, O king. So we see that the people throwing him into the fire, right? They throw him in there, and they get all burned up. And they still have the faith. And they're bound, they're closed, tied up, and, and there was no way of escape. I mean, imagine being in that situation. We look at this so much as just an awful story we're told in junior church, and wow, this is great, you know, we go to it. I mean, this really happened to these people. They were bound up with ropes, their clothes. I mean, there was no way of them escaping. They really constrained them. They just throw them in the fiery furnace. And the people that were throwing them in there got burnt, and they just dropped in there. So they didn't even have time to throw them, really. They just were holding them over. As soon as they got them, they died because the fire was so hot. And they dropped in there. And it's like, how, do you, how could you stand? I don't know how they were able to do that. But I really do believe this. Um, right? It's not in the Bible, but I can imagine Jesus said the same thing he said to me, Abraham and Moses. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I know life right now is hard and is difficult. This trial seems unnecessary. But for me, your Savior, could you just last until tomorrow? This will not last forever, but I need to break you. I know you do not know why, but someday you'll know. Just trust me. I know what I'm doing. And I really believe Jesus said that. Look at verse 25. This is always gets me every time in this story. The Bible says this of Daniel 3, verse 25. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. You know, I, they went through this whole trial. They went through all this anguish. They're bound up in their clothes. They get thrown in the fiery furnace, and it's just looking so bleak for them. They kept the faith all the way. They end up not getting burned. God supernaturally preserves them. And can you imagine? Jesus is encouraging them to go forward, and they're going forward for it. And they weren't wavering. I don't think there was any hesitation. There was no hesitation at all through anything. They just kept going, kept going. Can you imagine their amazement when they fall in there? And right next to them is Jesus. I mean, they're just going forward. They're expecting to die. I don't know. Maybe they thought they were in heaven. I don't know. Just seeing Jesus there. And I, you're going through all that a hard trial. Because of that hard trial, just like I said before, they were so close to Jesus. They were so close to him. Right next to him in the fiery furnace of all places. And one of the darkest possible places you could find yourself in the midst of a fiery furnace. They were the closest to Jesus than anyone ever really was on earth. And so, just like I said before, it's a very sobering thought. And it really doesn't bother me, but it upsets me. I can't be close to God when I'm up here. The only time I'm extremely close to God is when I'm down here. Just like them, midst of the fiery furnace in the bottom of that pit, 
That's when they were closest to Jesus because they kept going forward for him. And we see here, it brings us to Roman numeral number four. And that's uh, really the, the whole kicker of this whole thing here. When it seems that you have lost, this is all about Jesus here. Talked about a lot of different Bible characters, but of course, this is one of my favorite uh, people in the Bible, my Savior. You see letter A, Jesus' trial. You can flip over to Luke chapter 22 and verse 39. Start reading. This is when Jesus is going through it. And he came out and went. This is when he was in the, uh, the garden praying. He came out and went, and as he was wont, the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And a sweat was at was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. We see Jesus here in the garden praying right before he's taken prisoner. And it's not that he didn't want to go to the cross. Of course not. It's that he did not want to lose his relationship with the Father. You read this passage of Scripture, and you say, well, why would Jesus say, Father, you know, I'd be willing to remove this cup from me? You understand, that was the first time in all of eternity past that Jesus would not have a perfect relationship with his father. I mean, that was immense to him. He said, I'm willing to do it the way that you want me to do it. I'm willing to go forward. I'm willing to just, just keep going. But if there's any other way so we can keep the fellowship, of course there wasn't. He willingly went to the cross for our sin. And I believe maybe in part of Jesus' prayer, God in heaven is saying to Jesus, Jesus, I know life right now is hard and is difficult, but this trial is necessary. But for me and the entire world, could you just last until tomorrow? This will not last forever, but I need to break you. You know why and what you are doing. And we see here a letter B that uh, Jesus keeps going. Jesus keeps going. In John 19, you turn there, the Bible says this, Then Pilate, therefore, in John 19, and Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers played a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. It keeps going in verse 13, chapter 19 in John. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat him down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement of the Hebrew Gabbatha. And it was the preparation of the Passover, about the sixth hour, and he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. And so here, they're mocking Jesus brutally. And this is really what gets me, you know, every time. I mean, he was brutally murdered. He was beaten to a bloody pulp. And he stood there and kept going, knowing what his end fate was going to be. They took him by his beard. They ripped it out from him. They took a cat of nine tails, a whip with nine spikes on the end. 
They whipped it into him and yanked it out as hard as they could. You know what? Every time I think about the story, I go, how can someone do that? No, he's God. He's also 100% man. He felt every single thing. There's nothing supernatural. Um, well, there was, but he still felt everything. He was 100% man. They put a, a sack on his face, and they whacked him, and they mocked him and said, prophesy, tell us who hit you. Completely mocking him, put a robe on him, mocking him, put a, cor- a crown of thorns on his head. But you know what? Jesus kept going. He kept going for, for me, for everyone here. He kept going. He kept going forward. And John 19, 28, 30 says this. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, the scripture might be fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon the hyssop, and put it to his mouth. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, It's finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. But you know what the thing is? It didn't stop there. Jesus kept going. John 19, verse 40 and 42 says this. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in a linen cloth with the spices as a manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. You know, he gets buried. And you know what? doesn't stop there. Jesus keeps going. He keeps going. In John 20, first two verses, The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and saith unto him, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we not know where they have laid him. Isn't that amazing? Jesus rises from the dead. He's not there anymore. And really... In closing, I'll say this to come to a conclusion. A lot of times, I've told you, we'll try to be as transparent as I could tonight. It's very hard for me to keep going forward. A lot of times, I just want to give up and go to Bible college and become a pastor in ministry, doing that. A lot of times, I want to give up. I've told you a few, and there's been a lot more than that. And at the end of the day, I, I read the account of Jesus and what he, what he went through. And he asked me, you know, Brother Kyle, how could you keep going? Well, it's because of the cross. And you read Jesus' story. Read what happened to him, and everything in my life. I could, I could suffer the worst fate tomorrow. Uh, any, I could lose everything like Job. And guess what? It's never going to be the trial and the torment that Jesus faced for me on the cross. And so, an encouragement and the takeaway from the sermon is really this: is just know that Jesus, you know, to you Christian, is saying this. I know life right now is hard and is difficult. And this trial seems unnecessary. But for me, your Savior, could you just last until tomorrow? This will not last forever. I need to break you. I know you don't know why, but someday you will know. Just trust me. I know what I am doing. With that being said, please, next time you feel like going up, just keep going. Just keep going. That's, that's the best advice I can give to you. And just know that Jesus right now is in the right hand of God. He's cheering you on. He's making intercessions for us. And if you don't know who Jesus is, well, when you die someday, you won't be able to keep going forward. Your body will die and it will go to hell. I don't want that to happen to you. And there's going to be an invitation given here. But just know this. Jesus is willing to accept you as you are a sinner. Wouldn't you be willing to accept who God is? Because he's perfect. He stretched out his, his hand on the cross. And he just wants you to keep going when you die to heaven someday. And all we need to do is reach out to him in faith. So just keep going.
Just keep going. The next time you feel like giving up, giving in, just keep going for the Lord.